How are we doing, Freshwater? Good. My name is Len Marr. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I get the incredible privilege to work with the young people here in this church. So um, just getting back from a mission trip, actually, um, I had the privilege also of being alongside of some incredible teens and some leaders in Oklahoma City. I'm going to share a little bit about that trip today, uh, but I want to invite you back tonight from 6 to 7.30. It's going to happen right in here. Uh, the teens are going to be sharing about that experience and what God did on the trip. We got to experience some really cool ministries, got to see some of the things that God's doing in Oklahoma City, and God showed up with us in a real powerful way Wednesday night. And guys, there's nothing sweeter than that. It's not a part of what I got to be careful because I only have so much time. There's nothing sweeter than that to see God show up and God does what God does. Just so, just so cool. So come back tonight, hear that 6 to 7.30. There'll be some light snacks and refreshments for you. It will be right here. So we're currently in a series entitled Just One More, right? How many people knew that? Okay, most of us should remember, it's just one more. And uh, we actually, Greg McCulley did a beautiful job sharing the story about his dad who came to know Jesus Christ later in life, right? And, and we are here for the indoor picnic. If you don't remember Greg's thing, hopefully you do, but it was the indoor picnic day when we still had rain. You guys remember that? Still had rain coming down on the inside. That's just how we do things here at Freshwater. So we had rain that was here too, but Greg talked about that, and it was the, about just one more. People need time. People need time. And then Scott followed that up with people need cultural relevancy. The whole idea of that we need to communicate the gospel. The gospel does not change, but the methods can change. We need to reach the people around us. And then last week, he talked about people need to be heard. Right? People need to be heard in the importance of listening, especially when we're sharing the gospel. So today, we are going to continue that series. It's going to be People Need Relationships. People need relationships. This idea should be easy to grasp because we were all created for relationships. We see that in Genesis. Right at the beginning, God created us in his image, in relationship. He created Adam and Eve in relationship. They had this great relationship together that was perfect. Their relationship with God was perfect. That's how it all started. So we were created for, for relationships, and relationships are intertwined with all of our lives. Now, I want you to hear this. I'm not saying relationships are easy. I'm just saying they should be easy to relate to. And since we were all created for relationships, that's why some of the parents in the room have engaged in a discipline, not a punishment, of isolation, right? You guys know what that is? The, the isolation, right? The relationships, they're, they're so important and so strong. One of the things that we do sometimes to discipline our kids, and my mom and dad are here, um, and, and, and they can attest to some of this. Um, I spent some time in isolation growing up. Okay, things would be going on, and it would be, hey, Lenny, go to your room, okay? Lenny, sit in this chair. Why, it got my attention. It separated me from relationships. It separated me from what was going on. And we're supposed to, like, spend that time thinking about what we did, right? Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? This is what I did, and this is how I'm going to do things differently. I don't think I used the time that way, to be honest. I spent the time trying to listen to what was happening outside of my door and really listening for my mom and dad's footsteps coming down the hallway because if they were coming down the hallway, a spanking could be in my future. 
I did have some of those. Mom and dad said I didn't have many, but I remember that totally differently. So isolation, we know that isolation, when we are not in relationships, there can be serious consequences. And because God created us for relationships, the opposite of that is true, that we know that we were not created to be alone, right? That we are not created to be alone. And again, if relationships are lacking, there can be serious consequences. Since God created and designed us for relationships, if you start looking into fresh water on who we are and what we do and why we do it and what we're about, like all of those things, you're going to see relationships stamped on almost everything. It's like relationships is a blanket that goes over who we are. You see it in our vision statement. You see it in our mission statement. You see it in our values. You see it in our operating principles. It's everywhere. And I don't have time to look at all of those, but I want to look at one this morning, and it's the mission statement. The mission statement that says, we exist to glorify God by connecting with him, connecting with his family, and connecting with his mission. Connecting with him, connecting with his family, and connecting with his mission. If you're new to the church, you might have seen the symbols that are out there on the wall. You might have picked up pamphlets that have these little circles with these images in there. In the image, the one is pointing up, right? And that's referred to our up, our relationship with him. The other is pointing down. That's our relationship with God's family. And the other one pointing to the right is our relationship with the world or being connected to his mission. So if we're talking about a series of reaching just one more, which one of those relationships do you think we would focus on this morning? The up or the in or the out? What do you guys think? Out, out. Anyone else out? People are shaking their heads. That's what I would have thought too. In fact, when Scott talked to me about this, he goes, hey, when you come back from your mission trip, um, can you speak on people need relationships? And I'm like, sure. I'm thinking, yeah, we're going to step right into relationships. We're going to talk about culture, what's going on, um, what things look like, what's the landscape, and then do some practical ideas of how we're going to step into that, what maybe God's calling us to. At least that's what I thought. But the direction this message went surprised me, and maybe it's going to surprise you. And I want you to know that, I want you to know this up front, that as we talk about these things, I'm not saying that all of these things have to align to be used by God. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm hoping in this message this morning, and I'm praying that God uses it to, to maybe challenge you in some areas, maybe convict you in some areas. Have you wrestled with some things maybe you haven't thought a whole lot about recently or even stopped to think what if or what could be? So that's where we're heading here this morning. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. God, I just thank you so much that I was able to run out of that grave. I want to thank you for making me a son and a daughter. I want to thank you for you being a personal God, for making a way for a relationship back to you through your son, Jesus and the cross as we took communion today to remember that. And dear Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would meet with us this morning, continue to meet with us this morning. Holy Spirit, would you, would you speak to us? Would you move me out of the way? God, I'll confess, I'm a little nervous this morning. Not sure exactly why, but I'm gonna confess that. People don't need to, to hear me, they need to hear from you. God, I pray that that would happen here this morning in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the first thing that we're going to look at this morning is our in or our relationship with each other has a lot to do with our out. 
are in or our relationship with each other has a lot to do with our out. And we're gonna go to John 13. John 13, if you have your Bibles, your phones, your iPads, go there. John 13, 31 through 35. And to give you a little bit of context as you're turning there, so here Jesus is what is often referred to as the Last Supper. He's with his disciples. They call it the Last Supper because it would be the last meal that he was gonna have with them before he's arrested, falsely accused, beaten, and crucified. He had just predicted that one of the people in the room was going to betray him, which is Judas, and we pick up the story here. When he had gone out, Jesus said, that's when Judas had gone out, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. This is Jesus talking about what God was going to do in him. Little children, yet a little while why I am with you, you will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Love one for another. So... What is the defining characteristics, the things that distinct, distinguishes us as followers of Jesus Christ so that all the world would know? What is that thing? It's love, right? But it's not just any kind of love. It's the, the love of Jesus. It's the love that Jesus demonstrated. It is this supernatural kind of love. When we were on our mission trip, we had an opportunity to uh, work with and learn more about Project 58. Project 58, um, I'll do this quickly. Project 58 was started by a man who lived in California. He was out in California. He was in real estate. He must have had a chunk of money because he bought a building in downtown Oklahoma City, sight unseen. He didn't realize just how bad that uh, building was, not just like the condition of the building, but also what was happening in the building. It took the Oklahoma Police Department to call him to say, hey, I think you need to come down here. This is the worst building that we have in the city. In fact, we as police don't even like going in here. You need to come down and see this. So he ended up coming down, and while he was down there, they actually raided the building. And in that experience, what he did is, is he left California, got a couple of his friends, and decided they were going to move into this building, that they were going to start cleaning up the building. They were going to start cleaning up around the building. They were going to be salt and light to the people around them right? To bring more light into the darkness. And God did amazing things through Project 58. Credible, credible, God-sized stories. And we met with a guy named Elias, and he was part of the Project 58. There's now like 70. It started with like four people, I think. Now there's 70 people that are there doing the same thing, moving from neighborhood to neighborhood, just trying to bring the transformation, love, and power of Jesus into those neighborhoods. But we met with Elias, and, and Elias shared a lot of cool stories and, 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 and the way that God had been using him, but it didn't take long to know that Elias wasn't a big fan of the church. Didn't take long at all. In fact, he started saying things like denominations are evil. All denominations are evil because they, they, they don't unify us, they divide us. Talked about how Satan has used the church, kind of the institutional church, to, to, to get us to focus off of Jesus' mission and, and to turn more internally. He 
talked about how churches have become these, these organizations that are run like businesses. And there was a couple other things as well. And the teens handled it beautifully. Handle it beautifully, and I am so glad that we had that conversation with him because of the conversations that happened afterwards as they were trying to wrestle with what they heard and what their experience is, and where does fresh water fall in that, and what does that look like? It was wonderful. And in reality, some of the things that Elias said was true. Some of it was true. The problem was it was a blanket statement, right? It was a blanket statement over all churches, it was a blanket statement over all churches, and it was probably spoken out of his own wounding, things that happened to him while he was in church as well. So why do I share that story? I share that story because if you have somebody who grew up in the church, right, who is a part of God's family, who has seen God move in some powerful ways, yet that is his perception or his idea of church, no wonder people looking inside the church that aren't even a part of it sometimes dismiss us, sometimes have a negative view of us, sometimes even hate us, right? You can see where that comes from. But when people look inside the church and they see this genuine supernatural love, they know something is different. Guys, here at Freshwater, we're not known for how long we've been in the community. We're not known for the size of our building. We're not known for the size of the, the number of people that are here. We're not known for our ministries. We're supposed to be known for our love. Known for our love. So John 17, we're going to go there as well. John 17, verses 20 through 23. Here Jesus is praying to, to his father, and he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Okay, so not only for the disciples and his followers is he praying for there, but he's also praying for us, like everyone that comes after as the message is going out. It's not just the present followers, but it's the future followers who will believe in me through the word, through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. All they also may be in us so that the world may believe you get that? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. So not only is love supposed to be our defining characteristic on our end, but also unity is supposed to be our defining characteristic. I want you to sit there and think about that. Love and unity. Could you imagine if people look inside the church and they see genuine love and unity? Like people would actually look in and go, wait, 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 wait a minute. You guys are not all the same. You don't look the same. You don't talk the same. You don't all dress the same. You don't even believe the same things. Like we believe on some of the key things, but there might be some differences on some of these other things. You have different wirings, different personalities, different gifting. Some of you are Republicans, some of you are Democrats, <sighs> right? You're supposed to laugh at that. Some of you that aren't, you're just like, don't go there, okay? Independence. Like some of you are maybe even apolitical. You're like, I'm just done with all of it. Some of you are maskers and no maskers. Some of you are vacciners and no vacciners. But when the world looks at this and goes, Oh my, like we are all over the map and people are all so different, but yet you love one another and you're unified. How does that happen? 
How does that happen? Like, it's not natural. It doesn't make sense to me. They see the love and they see the unity. They see us fighting for this genuine love. They, they see us care for one another, support one another, encourage one another, hold one another accountable, ask for forgiveness when we need to do that, and give forgiveness when we need to do that. Like the world doesn't know what that looks like, and they don't have a context for that. They don't have a grid for that. So when they see that, they can be drawn to that. They know that it's not human and not normal. When the world sees a group of imperfect, different people unified under the love of Jesus, they take notice. And when they take notice, they could be drawn to us. I say could be drawn to us because the Bible's very clear, not everyone's coming to us. In fact, not a lot of people are coming to us. But they can be drawn to us and our message. But that means the opposite's true, right? The opposite's true. If they see something different, they won't care about us and they won't care about our message. And folks, in the world that we live in today, and you've heard me talk about this before and I didn't think it could get worse and it just keeps getting worse. The divisiveness in the cultures that we live, the, the evil and the darkness that is in on that, the stuff I'm seeing like our leaders say about other people like on television. Like it felt like it used to be just if their mic happened to be on, now it's just like whenever a camera's on, we're just gonna assassinate somebody. Their character, we're just gonna go after them. We see it in the world that we, we, we live in. So I'm telling you, if the church's end functions the way that God is calling us to, that light is gonna shine really, really bright in that darkness out there. It's gonna be important for us to go there. So let's go back to the three key relationships, the up and the in and out, just for a second. I want you to see how they are interconnected. The up and the in and the out are interconnected, right? We just got done talking about our out is affected by our in, and that in and what God's calling us to should be affected by our up. Does that make sense? We often talk about them being differently, but they're really all kind of overlapped and run together. So we just looked at the, 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 the up, but we talked about how, or the uh, in, but we talked about how the up, okay, should affect how we treat each other, but the up also affects the way that we should treat those outside the church. So the next point is our up has a lot to do with our out. Our up has a lot to do with our out. Go to Matthew 22, 34 through 40. 22, 34 through 40. Here's the great commandments. Uh, to give you a little bit of context on this, um, Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, cannot stand Jesus, cannot stand him. They're angry. He's pushing into their, their, their pride and their hypocrisy, their position, their privilege, like all of that. He is trying to arrest him. They're trying to discredit him. They want to break up his followers. And this is one of those exchanges. It says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On the two commandments depend all the laws and the prophets. So Jesus says that we're supposed to love him with all that we have 
And then second, you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. I feel like often when we step into loving our neighbor, we skip the first and go right to the second. But that's awfully dangerous when we do that because actually the second is supposed to flow out of the first. Do you see that? Jesus says this is the first thing and this first thing is actually gonna affect how you love other people. It can be dangerous when it is reversed. I wanna show you a picture up here on the screen. This was in the parking lot of our hotel. This is in the parking lot of our hotel. Okay, we, we went out, this was, we did some sightseeing stuff and got to see Oklahoma City before we actually went to Next Step that we were partnering with. And you see that on there, God loves you. God loves you, big faith, right? He's, 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 he or she's doing their thing. They're going around letting the world know God loves, God loves, God loves, God loves. And maybe some of you guys can't see the little sticker there, so AJ, blow it up for us. Look what else is on the car. Watch out for the idiot behind me. Yeah? There you go. God loves you, and if you're reading this, watch out for yourself, because you're an idiot. Okay? When we reverse that, things like that can happen. But Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. We must keep it in that order, so our relationship with God directs our relationship or how we treat others. I want you to think about the command to love our neighbors as ourselves. It's, it's interesting, that, that phrase is often thrown out there, and, it, and just kind of flippantly, it's like it's a no-duh, like we're a Christian, we're supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves. In fact, the world will even talk about loving your neighbors as yourself. You've seen that sometimes, not with Christian organizations that will actually use a phrase similar to that. But think about how crazy that thought is, how difficult that command is. I think John Piper, who's the founder and teacher of Desiring God, nails it. He says this about the passage. To truly love someone as we love ourselves would mean something unbelievably powerful and earth-shaking and restructuring and overturning and upending will have to happen in our souls. Something supernatural, something well beyond what self-pleasing, self-enhancing, self-exalting, self-esteeming, self-advancing human beings like John Piper can do on their own. To love the way that God is love asking me to love is impossible in and of myself. It's impossible. Because if it's up to me, I will, def I will decide who I give my time to. I will decide who my neighbor is. I will define what love looks like. Maybe love is just being nice or being a little bit better than the other person. You see where that ends up going? If it's all on me. And when you look at your own lives, you sit there and go, okay, so what does that love look like in my life? Is it my love or is it Jesus's love? Who is my neighbor? Who isn't my neighbor? Like, how does that flesh out with you? Because the love that Jesus calls us to in verse 39 is not found in us. It takes God working in us. He transforms us, leads us, and empowers us to truly love others. Our relationship with the God affects our relationships with others in the church and in the world. This, this side of heaven will always be imperfect, but is Jesus influencing that love or producing that love in you? See, it was interesting. We, we sang about, I ran out of that grave. Like, did you run out of that grave to someone? Like the, the, the Samaritan woman at the well? Whoa, 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 I gotta go tell everybody. 
Got to tell everybody because of that relationship. As we learn and grow in what it means to love God with all ourselves, our heart, our soul, and our mind, God's love is able to flow through us. The more that we find our identity, provision, freedom, and peace, and comfort, and blessings in him, the more we want to share that with others, and we are able to share it in a way that glorifies God. It's not just about what we share, but why we share. Not just about what we share, but why we share. And when God is in it, he becomes or when, when God is in it, we become an expression of God's love to others. Had um, incredible, don't have time to, um, yeah, I do, I have time. I'll go into this, Restored OKC. Restored OKC was another ministry that we partnered with. Incredible, incredible ministry. Like, if I was able to just pick up and leave everything here and join them, like, which is impossible to just do, I would do it. God's hand was all over this ministry. It's a ministry of reconciliation and stepping into injustice. But it's not just coming in and going, hey, how do we do this? Or, hey, I've got a better idea for you. Or, or hey, we're here to kind of save things. Their relationship with Jesus Christ actually drove what they did. They actually moved into the neighborhood that they were looking to impact. They actually form relationships with people in that neighborhood. They actually invited people into the solution on how you deal with that. They believe that we are better together. They believe even if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have something to offer and where God may be taking us as a community. Their desire is that their relationships reflect Jesus and through relationships and serving others, people's lives would be restored through Christ. That's not only what they believed, but that's what they lived. And God's hand is all over that ministry. It has expanded in incredible ways. You hear about how God, um, I don't have time to tell these stories, but just how God actually planted them there, how they got the land, who he called in, who's currently working there, all the different things that he has expanded within the last two years, and other opportunities that they've been given. They're trying to figure out what to do with. Part of their vision statement reads this, and I can attest this is more than just words. This is on their website. We believe that it is our calling to embrace joy and wisdom as we seek a power much greater than ourselves to see reconciliation happen in communities like ours that have been marked by deep injustice, oppression, and division. In order to get there, we believe that we have to listen well, understand history, steward wisely, and ultimately walk humbly. Walking alongside one another to utilize the assets and strengths of our shared community for the good of our neighbors within it is counterintuitive and in many ways countercultural, as it means putting people before profit and thinking deeply about what it means to do justice. They say this, it won't be easy or always pretty, but we believe it's profound. Unity is possible because of the greatest power of all is love. The greatest power of all is love. Again, there's the love and the unity. And as they continue to, to, to live and to minister out of that, I'm telling you, God continues to pour out his blessings on that ministry and expand what he's doing through them. <clears throat> Freshwater, there are people all around us craving relationships. All around us. They may be sitting in your row. I don't want you to assume just because you're here, I don't want anybody to assume just because somebody's here that they're not lonely. 
but they don't need relationships. They could be just in the row with you. We're currently living in a time where true relationships are lacking. There's no really time to kind of speak into that on the whys. But do you know before COVID even hit, they were referring to loneliness in the United States as a pandemic or an epidemic? Did you know that? It's, it's just been highlighted because of COVID. But prior to that, people were recognizing it in the field. In an article that I read in Harvard Magazine, it's entitled The Loneliness Pandemic. The author writes this, social psychologists define loneliness as the gap between the social connections you would like to have and those you feel you experience. According to a 2018 report, this is 2018, by the Henry J. Kissinger Family Foundation, 22% of adults in the United States say they often or always feel lonely or socially isolated. It's in 2018. Okay, almost 25% of all adults. A national 2019 survey led by the health insurer Cigna found that 61% of Americans report feeling lonely. 61%, over half. Books like Bowling Alone, Robert D. Putnam, that was in 2000, highlighted the decline of social capital in the United States. But more recently, loneliness has become a serious issue of public health. This article was written, this loneliness pandemic was January and February of this year. In fact, research is showing that loneliness equals smoking 15 cigarettes a day or being an alcoholic and even exceeds the health risks associated with obesity. God's calling us to step into that gap. God's calling us to, to step in and to make a difference in the world that we live in. And we moved in the direction instead of out to looking at the up and the in because oftentimes our out starts right here. Like it should start right here. We often focus on those out there, and that's really, really important, but we also have to realize that it often starts right here. Casting Crowns has a song that they released about a year ago calling Starts Right Here. I want you to hear these lyrics. We want our coffee in our lobby. We watch our worship on our screens. We got a rock star preacher who won't wake us from our dreams. We want our blessings in our pockets. We keep our missions overseas, but for the hurting in our cities, would we even cross the street? I'm like the brother of the prodigal who turned his nose and puffed his chest. He didn't run off like his brother, but his soul was just as dead. What if the church on Sunday was still the church on Monday too? What if we came down from our towers and walked a mile in someone's shoes? And the bridge says, huh? But we wanna see the heart set free and the tyrants kneel. The walls fall down and our land be healed. But church, if we want to see a change in the world out there, it's gotta start right here. It's gotta start right now. Lord, I'm starting right here. Lord, I'm starting right now. If we are serious about being a church of just one more, like if we're really serious about being a church of just one more, we need to start here. Because the people don't need us, they need Jesus. 
They don't need what we can bring naturally. They need something that's supernaturally. Or it's not supernatural. The up and the in and the out, all of them are interconnected and they all should be working. Each relationship affects the others. But it starts not in what we bring, but what God brings and how he uses our gifts, our wiring, our personalities, our story and his redemption story. What he does in us, for us and through us to reach the world around us. What he's doing in us. I'm going to show another picture here on the screen. That's a picture of the basement door over in the offices. Uh, my office is actually in the basement, so that's going out to the back door. There's, there's these um, really kind of steep, three steep steps, and then there's a, a cement slab that, that kind of uh, slants a little bit. And because of that, when it rains, it, it's really wet back there. And, and what's interesting is, is that when I first moved in there, going in and out of that door sometimes, going to the backyard or moving some things in and out, there was like, um, I don't know where they kind of live or how they landed there, but there's some water frogs that hang out there. I didn't necessarily get to see them. They just kind of jump around. Like a few of them actually jumped in the drain. So I did see that. And the head kind of popped up because we didn't have a screen over the drain at the time. So they kind of jumped in the screen, and I was just like, how do water frogs, how are they hanging out here? It was interesting, when I came back from Oklahoma City, <clears throat> I saw this. So AJ, if you want to go to the next one, you probably can't see it. There's a water frog. Somehow when I was at Oklahoma City, somebody opened that back door. Probably kept it open a while, moving some things in and out, and that little guy found himself in the basement. Now, I don't know if you can tell from that image, but he's not alive anymore. Okay? My dad's laughing. You think that's funny? No, the frog's not alive anymore. See, what happened was, and this is the crazy thing, you would said, think that I set this thing up and I didn't. Look at that frog where he's facing. Look at that frog. He got all the way to the door frame, like, like right there, because he knew there was water on the other side. Like he knew that's where he needed to go. And at first, being an animal lover, I looked at that and I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I just got back from Oklahoma City. Welcome back. And that's downstairs in the basement as I'm heading to my office. But then when I had that thought, I immediately flipped to how many people do we pass by? How many people do we work with? How many people are in our families? How many people do we go to school with? How many people do, do we go to the grocery store with and live in the community that know something is wrong? They know that there's got to be something different. They're standing at a door going, I don't know what, but where and how? And somebody just needs to open up that relational door so that they can get the true water, living water. That makes sense? Jesus is living water to open up that door relationally, to form those relationships, to see what Jesus can do in you and through you and for you. Scott often says, and we as a staff are careful about throwing the God card around. And the God card is kind of this internal language or family language where we say we're, 
we're really careful to say God said and God did outside of what he says here. We're careful with that. But you know, when I was thinking about the direction of this message and the direction that this message went, I had this thought. And again, it's just a thought. I'm not saying that this was the Holy Spirit speaking into it. But I thought, what if we needed to hear this because of what's coming? What if we needed to hear this because of what God wants to do in this church? Or maybe both. So when we look at the out and we look at just one more, just one more, it doesn't start out there, it starts in here. Where are you with him? What's the relationship look like? Are you following him? Are you giving him access to your life? Are you actually living in his power and his strength and his direction? Is he empowering you? Uh, Jake, are you still in here? Call an audible. We got five more minutes. He may not be. Jake, yeah. Did you come up and play something real quick? and talk about this, but I think we want to end here. I don't have a bunch of practical steps for you. In fact, I think it would be wrong to have practical steps going, okay, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. But I think how I want to land things this morning is for you to spend a little bit of time that we have left with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit can tell you, what do you need to do with this? Well, maybe there's some things in your life that you need to take care of. Maybe, maybe you're here and you're going, oh, this whole relationship with Jesus thing and what, what that looks like. Like, I don't even know what that is. Or you said something about forgiving and as soon as that came up, I need to ask for forgiveness or I need to forgive someone else. Or maybe where you are in your relationship with Jesus and you've kind of walked away. And again, I'm not saying that all these things have to be perfect because God can still use us and use you, but he uses people that have a heart that are pursuing him and are open to him as he's doing what he needs to do in our lives. So just in the last three minutes, just close your eyes and spend some time and say, Holy Spirit, come. What do I need to do with what I heard today? Is there anything in that that's for me?
Father, I ask that talks about starting right here and right now. God, I pray that you would do the work in my life. God, I would see people as you see them, that I would hear people as you hear them. That I'd be open to being used by you. it was people see me, they see you because they don't need me, they need you. God, I pray that Freshwater would become a church known for love and known for unity, but also known for just one more. As we see you work. We ask all this in Jesus' name.